Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today is actually not just any normal episode of Movies and Us. We are here with a milestone, Sarah. What milestone have we hit today? Our 300th episode! And the crowd goes wild! <laughs> yeah, can we get some like air horns and like crowd yeah. noise and stuff going? Like, we I will, need some I shall insert and editing. It'll be great. Perfect. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Yeah! <laughs> Man, we have made it to another milestone episode. Can you believe it? 300. It's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, We are here with a celebratory episode. We're going to chit chat a little bit about this milestone, some of our reflections upon it on our journey, all of that goodness. And then we've got a fun way to celebrate today. Perfect for December. We'll reveal that in a, in a hot sec. But first, I'm curious to hear just your thoughts, reflections on this 300th milestone. What have you been thinking about lately? Jen, for over 300 hours, <laughs> we have talked into microphones about movies and oh, other yeah. various things. Mm-hmm. That is wild to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like every time we have a milestone episode, we have the same conversation, but every time, I'm just amazed (laughs) that we've made it this far. I'm amazed that people listen to this podcast. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And, you know, we, years ago, we're just like, yeah, we enjoy talking about movies. Let's create a podcast. And now 300 episodes later, we Mm -hmm. still enjoy it. We still love it. And we've gotten to meet some really, really cool people along the way, too, and have really good conversations with others about movies. And I I think that is just a reinforcement of our, our, our whole idea of movies and us and the way that movies can help us connect to each other and the world around us. And we get to see that play out week after week after week. For 300 episodes and yeah. it's just incredible to me yeah yeah it really is amazing how much that heart of this mission the thing that we were originally captivated by when we first started this whole thing has still remained just the center of it all you know like I was um talking to Patrick the other day actually around how we started and everything and and he was like yeah how did you guys even think about this and I was like honestly Sarah and I would send voice memos back and forth to each other that were like 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long, just (laughs) gushing about movies together over text. And uh, we we were just like, let's just hit record one day and start this journey. And, you know, this 300th milestone, I feel like really snuck up on me. I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. Also, when numbers get bigger, I just can't really wrap my head around them the same way that I can when they're smaller. So 300 feels so wild to me it's been five and a half years of doing this nearly five and a half years maybe five in like a couple of months but yeah uh, just that amount of time is insane to me and you're right 300 hours plus I think over the past couple of days one of the things that has really like been the the primary thought running around in my brain is like there's we still have so much that we talk about and and are able to 
dive into and it's still so fun there's still so much like we haven't run out of things at all and I think that's also the power of like art and conversation with people together is like there's always new ideas perspectives emotions characters people to chew on together that how could you ever get bored you know like it is still so captivating Hmm. yeah yeah that's that's the beauty of movies is they're just they really are these magical things that transport us to other worlds and into other experiences and stuff and it always is just so fun to not just experience the movie but then take it a level deeper and and unpack it and talk about all of the things that stood out to us and I don't know that Mm -hmm. that never gets old which is wild (laughs) It never does. It never does. The and us part of that is so, so captivating, so exciting. Um, I would never have known that you had a deep love for big furry pigs had we not talked about movies. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe it would have yeah. come up in a conversation here or there. Unlikely. We found ourselves at a petting zoo perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but like I would not have known this deep part of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with, yeah. with other people too. Of Those random quirks, those random things that they are captivated by or just get excited about or didn't resonate with them. Like it's just such an avenue to bring those things to the surface and then get to get to learn about each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten to, le- to learn about your deep love for mobster movies. Never would <laughs> yes. have known. If you gave me a million guesses, never would have gotten there. But because we talk about movies, here we are. Yep. Yep. Just a warped sense of empathy for like really bad criminals. It's great. It's good. It's so good. It's good. So furry pigs and some mobsters. Here we are. Yeah. We got the full Five years spectrum. Later. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that I have been reflecting on is that, you know, people talk about this oftentimes with books and with reading too but I found the same case with movies is that it has just unlocked and opened um, our perspectives to so many new ideas topics worlds like the, the amount of like um, types of of people groups and stories in history and stories of the present times that um, you know like it's it's made life so much more rich as well and perspectives so much more rich, I think, to wrestle with, unpack, and really dive fully into some of these topical areas that I'm like, I don't know what I would have thought about or stumbled upon something like that. You know, just, you know, we recently reviewed Killers of the Flower Moon, which I think is such a perfect example of wrestling with these parts of our history and these people groups that I think is just so important and significant instead of staying within kind of echo chambers or the circles that you would have it in your day-to-day life. Like movies has been such a great way to just bring exposure to all of these new areas and ideas that we wouldn't normally encounter in the same ways. So that's been really neat as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a big journey that I've been on is seeing movies not just as entertainment but Mm -hmm. as as something to be learned from and and really viewing things more critically and and asking more questions about the movies that that we review and and seeing if we can dive even deeper than what's just on the surface like yes movies are entertaining and that's great there's always a place for entertainment but 
we can also learn so much from them, especially if you have, you know, people of color sharing their stories or like indigenous mm-hmm. stories, women's stories, like all of these other stories that we don't always get to experience when people are able to tell their stories their way. Uh, it is just a joy to be able to listen and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. That's so true. And we've, we've gotten to experience a lot of those diverse stories and be more intentional too about choosing to bring those to the pod mm-hmm. and talk about those and kind of thinking more critically about some of those choices have been really great as well. Indie stories too, like some of those that don't make the big yes. Uh, funding cuts, you know, like all of that has been really meaningful as well. And I think that's also a fun part of this too, is when we're content planning, we get to choose Mm. not only what we want to see, but we also get to choose the movies that we want to bring to people Mm -hmm. and, and maybe raise a little bit of awareness about that isn't getting a big marketing budget, like some of the other big blockbusters. So that's always fun to be able to talk about a movie that maybe other people haven't heard of and give it some exposure and hopefully get some people to to see it and support some indie filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And and I loved a comment that you made earlier around the people that we've gotten to have in, yeah. on the pod and connect with. Like I think something that has been exciting from maybe our 200th milestone to our 300th is just getting to meet people through the interwebs or through our our networks and our our communities that also share this love for movies and get to just gush about it together and, and dive into it together. Like we've been able to have really fun conversations with people that also love this stuff too and love to also dissect movies. And that's been so neat. Um, Just, you know, the, the shared connection point, is really really fun so that's that's been really exciting i think mm-hmm. yeah who knew that there were so many film nerds out there just I ready to it. hop on a mic and talk about <laughs> movies deeply it's incredible yeah yeah and and kind of sharing in each other's work too like oh my gosh i listened to this episode of yours and it was such an interesting perspective that you had on x y and z and them listening to ours it's just it still warms my little heart so much when that happens Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So thank you to everybody who mm-hmm. listens, who follows us on socials and comments on everything. Thank you to yeah. everybody who's come on. It's just been so great to yeah. be able to like build this little community and, and, you know, going into 2024, we're going to continue to find ways to build that community and have more people on and, and figure out ways to have more of these conversations about movies and each other and have more of this goodness Mm -hmm. for sure for sure yes we are we've come a long way and we've got so much more adventuring to do I'm so Mm -hmm. excited as we look ahead yeah okay uh well let's do a, a celebratory moment for our 300th milestone by having some fun we have picked a movie today that is a whole lot of fun Sarah what movie are we reviewing today we are reviewing the Christmas classic, <laughs> Die Hard. The warm, fuzzy, cozy <laughs> movie that you love to watch by the fire with your family. Yeah, it's <laughs> Watching great. people Nothing. get, you know, <laughs> with guns a-blazing. <laughs> yep. Nothing Bring will get you in the 
in the Christmas cheer like Die Hard. <laughs> There's just something special about it. <laughs> Perfect for the beginning of the holiday season here. We are at the start of December, although I don't know. People are putting their Christmas trees up like beginning of November, I saw. So some people are already well on their way on the Christmas cheer. But here we are in December. This is the perfect movie for the season. A lot of fun. We're just going to have fun today for our 300th, 300th milestone. Okay. Well, in our usual tradition, Sarah, the IMDb summary for Die Hard. A New York City police officer tries to save his estranged wife and several others taken hostage by terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. All right. And in Movies in Us tradition, let's start off with our one-sentence summaries for Die Hard. Sarah, what was yours? Mine is an indictment of all Christmas work parties. Oh, yes. <laughs> so good. You know, when you get like, what, 30 people at the top of yeah. a building? Yeah. Also, like to have your Christmas, building. to have your Christmas work party on Christmas Eve, that's yeah. just a crappy thing to do. Like, <laughs> can't we do better? Let the people have Christmas Eve off. Come on, true. folks. Very true. Yes. <laughs> okay, my one sentence summary is: No one does Christmas better than cozy German Christmas markets and some zingy German extremists. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. <laughs> okay. Um, let's start off with, why don't we just include a spoiler alert? Die Hard came out in, what, 1988? If you haven't seen it yet, again, Sarah's mentioned, it's a Christmas classic. So we recommend watching it if you haven't yet. This is one we don't want to spoil. And uh, it'll be included in your Christmas traditions. But for today, we are going to dive straight in and just have full, full ring over all of the plot points of Die Hard. So, Sarah, tell me maybe the first time that you watched Die Hard, if you can even remember, and then what this experience was like this time around. I can't remember the first time I watched <laughs> Die Hard. Uh, it was many moons ago. I, I mean, I don't know. It was probably... 20 years ago now like yeah. it was a long time ago um and it's been a while since I watched Die Hard so I have long since said that Die Hard is a Christmas movie mostly just to be snarky and silly but upon rewatching it I'm like no I legitimately think that this can qualify as a Christmas movie because it's so jolly and jovial even though people are being shot at and their explosions and stuff like it's still a very festive movie uh so I was I was surprised at how much Christmas is actually in Die Hard but this movie is a great time it's so much fun it's silly and funny and uh, it still holds up there are certain action moments that I was genuinely like oh my gosh this is like legit like tense and I'm I'm a little worried for John McClane even though I know he survives just fine so it's just really cool to watch a movie that's this old and it still holds up as well as it does and I just I had a blast watching it Die Hard is great it's so fun I I too uh in the first 10 minutes of this movie I was like the amount of Christmas cheer 
in this. Yeah. This is definitely a Christmas movie. I don't know oh. what people are talking about when they say that it's not. <laughs> um, the amount of people that mention Christmas, the amount of Christmas songs that are included, the, the Christmas decor, the shots, it's all Christmas themed throughout the entire movie. And the movie ends with Let It Snow. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christmas movie all through and through. Um, you're right. And, and I, I remember this movie. I mean, obviously, it's very gritty in a lot of ways. But there's there's like a incredibly endearing earnestness about it, too. And, and the characters and the way they relate to each other that I think is just like oddly – it's a little bit more uh, jolly, like you mentioned, than I remember it being. And I was surprised by that the second time around. Um, even a lot of the interactions between Hans and um, John McClane, like there, there's oddly this like warmth between them. It's not like a, a David Fincher, like deep, deeply gritty <laughs> thriller, right? Like there's there's something that's really sweet and earnest about the whole thing. And I think also, like, the way that it's positioned as, like, a cat and mouse and John McClane's, like, lightheartedness really, really helps that as well. So, I don't know. I, I mean, put, I think it puts you in a jolly old mood after finishing this as uh, our hero saves the day. But, um, yeah, I, I hadn't seen this, I think. Uh, or if I have, I, I hadn't seen it for a long time until a couple of years ago. And then I think I remember making a point in December to be like, okay, I've heard much about this. I must check this off my list. And I think it made it into my top 10 list. Um, one of the past couple of years that we've we've done our top 10 lists. So all in all, this is a good, good time. I was also, from a technical perspective, just, again, captivated by the cinematography, the dialogue, the score. Like, it all is working together very well to do its thing. So... Um, from a technical perspective, it also just does a really good job. So that was really rewarding to see. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed at the cinematography and the camera is constantly moving in this, it feels like. And you're constantly like panning this way, zooming in on this thing. Like you are constantly in motion and that didn't bother me. But in fact, it it highlighted everything. So there's this tense moment and then the camera pans in a certain direction to make it even more tense. And I was just so impressed because I I don't know, sometimes when your camera is constantly moving like that, it feels a little much and you're like, oh my gosh, I just need you to be still for a little while. But I feel like they did a really, really good job not being too heavy-handed with that, but making sure that every movement was intentional to get us to focus on a certain thing or to highlight what we should be feeling or, or whatever the case may be. And I, I really appreciated that this go around. Mm-hmm. The pacing in this movie is really well done from an action action movie standpoint. Like it knows when to dwell. It knows when to slow down. It knows when to create tension. And then it knows when to explode. And I thought all of that was like, I think we've we've been on, um, we've watched a bunch of action movies this past year, and it just can feel a little one toned, you know. And and this felt like a piece of music, like it it knows how to create contrast, it knows when to explode and 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 erupt in like a fitful of of action and emotion and and all this kind of stuff, and it knows when to give our characters a moment of rest 
have them scheme, have them plot, and then explode again. And all of that, I just thought was really well done. And I wish we made action movies like this still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I think the other thing that I really liked about this was how information is shared with the audience. Uh, and so there are certain things that like you have questions about and then the movie will answer it later. And so again, like for the, the filmmaker to know what we as the audience are asking and then knows how to pay that off later. So one of the questions that I had was Hans is so methodical. <laughs> I freaking loved him. Love you're, him. You're probably not supposed to root for this dude, but in a way I was kind of like, you know what? I got to give it to you. You thought your plan out and I respect that. So he's so <laughs> methodical and detail oriented and he has this whole plan for breaking into the safe to steal these bearer bonds. And the whole time I'm just going, well, why, why would you do that when people are there? Like, why are you doing this like a terrorist attack when it's really just a heist? And then of course there's the, the reveal at the very end that, he had to do that so that the FBI gets called in so that they black out everything so they can get into the safe. And so I just loved how this movie relays information like that. You, you learn something and a character's actions are incongruous with who you think they are. And then later you, you see, Oh no, there's another layer to them that I had missed before. And I thought that that was just brilliant. Mm. Yeah, those those like um, twists and turns that the movie's able to get us on board for, and they do that quite a bit with like the characters like trying to outsmart each other too. I mean, this really is a game of cat and mouse in the best mm-hmm. way. We've got a very effective cat, and we've got a very effective mouse, and they're both good at what they do, and so it makes it really like deliciously fun. I also thought that like there, this is a process movie, and we love process movies. Uh, and and we get to see every well-laid plan, what they were intending, and then what actually happens, and all of the details that go into it. And I loved that piece of it. Um, something that I think a lot of action movies don't do as well today is one, they don't, they just focus on the big explosive action without the, the kind of planfulness of it. But then two, we don't have a good sense of space and and location. So a lot of big explosive things are happening, but we we don't actually know uh, how these places and people are in relation to each other. It's a lot of like quick cutting and whatnot. And I really noticed this time around with this movie, we get a clear mapping of say the floor that they're on and the different rooms and where each of them are. And so it creates a lot of tension to be like, oh my gosh, you're shooting in that direction. How is, how is John McClane to get out of it? And we see him maneuver out of it, but there's, always a clear sense of distance time and space with all of these people in relation to each other and just that grounding is thrilling you know like and we don't do that grounding as much now with the action that we have or it's 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 a lot harder too because there's a lot of choreography and and details that need to go into planning for that but when when it does when it's done well it really it really works really works even in the elevator shaft there's a clear sense of space and time and how far he needs to jump and where the the bad guys are at and um that creates tension the grounding of it all actually creates the tension Mm -hmm, absolutely and then when you see 
like the bad guys going in a direction that you maybe don't expect them to, then it's like, oh, wait, there's something else going on. So like all this stuff with the roof, uh, yeah. it's like, oh, wait, there's there's more danger because we've moved out of these floors that we've been battling on. So I just that's so fun how the building itself is almost a character and and you know what's going on in the building, what's going on on the different floors, like the sense of place in this movie is so important. And like you said, it builds tension through the whole thing. Yep. Yep. And I think this movie proves that we don't need a giant car chase through Rome. You know, (laughs) we don't need our action hero to like be dangling from a helicopter next to the side of a mountain to create a thrill. Like they are stuck actually because they are stuck within this building mm-hmm. and they have to figure out how to maneuver and, and, and plot and scheme with each other with the things that they have, like the constraints actually make it more fun. I think this is movie proves that it can be done really, really well. And there's a, there's, they're actually confined and therefore the tension is how are they going to find each other or outmaneuver each other in such a confined space and use what they have available to them things like the glass of an office becomes like a a a device and a tactic that they can use to try and like take their person out you know like that those details are really fun but it is more planful it's a lot more planful Mm -hmm. yeah and i i love that this movie manages to balance all of these different things like Mm -hmm. it is cat and mouse and it's very intentional and strategic and there's a lot of planning going on and you still have these explosive action-y moments and it's funny all it all together all in (laughs) one and I I feel like I don't know I, I feel like we don't always expect a lot from action movies these days but I feel like Die Hard proves that you can be both an action movie and a good movie uh, yes, and have something yes. to say as well. Like, wow, mm. good job, Die Hard. You you did a lot of work. Yeah, like I'd like more movies like Die Hard, please. Yes, please. Yes, <laughs> and okay. One thing that I think some action movies just kind of, you know, punt to the wayside is the dialogue. They're like all in on we're gonna have some really great set pieces and whatnot, mm-hmm. but the dialogue is often just. Yeah. It's so bad sometimes, and the the one-liners, the zingers that are delivered in Die Hard, I think make for this to be really, really fun, and it's the zingers delivered within a moment, within a big action moment, and all of that, I just ate up. Like, there's so many good one-liners in this movie, and the quippy dialogue just adds so much flair to an already, already fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes it so funny too. Which is sometimes I feel like action movies they'll they'll have a really really tense moment and they'll try and break it up with some humor and it doesn't always work out well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie it totally works. You can tell that that John McClane this is his his like coping mechanism almost yeah. going through this terrible ordeal that he didn't want to be in and so it's it's this sarcasm and this wit is part of his character and it's how he's getting through this and I just it, it felt so natural and so real um, and I, I think that it also helps that 
Bruce Willis was primarily known as a comedic actor before this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then that just lends itself to him having great timing, great delivery of all of these really sarcastic, quippy lines. Yeah. And, and the, the movie does a great job of layering too, like Mm -hmm. both with, both with some of the emotional beats, like, um, Holly's using her last name, using McLean by the end of the movie. And do we see that at the beginning of the movie, she's using her maiden name, right? Like that's set up and payoff to bookend this. But even down to little pieces of dialogue, like the yippee kaye motherfucker, right? Like yeah. we see that set up and we see Hans kind of serve it back to him in this really fun way uh, in the big climactic ending sequence as well. And so like the movie also is – giving us a setup and payoffs and rewarding us um, and layering through even the quippy dialogue, which I think is just so well-designed, so intentional. And again, that that attention to detail is really what makes this movie shine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think having your protagonist and your antagonist both being so intelligent too Mm. uh and they have they have different strengths different skill sets different types of intelligences but you can tell that they are both very smart and they are both good at what they do and i i think that helps make it more fun that they're they're kind of evenly matched even if they do things very differently from each other and i think that helps make it more fun and and i almost feel like Hans has some level of respect for John McClane, even though he's really annoyed that he's foiling all of his good plans. Um, And so I just, I liked that, I don't know, that that pairing of these two. uh, And that helps make it very interesting as well. The fact that they're evenly matched creates more attention and creates more excitement throughout the movie. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. And I think it also like proves another diehard that again proves another point, which is that actually like scaling this back and 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 scoping actually helps you really develop your characters a little bit more because a lot of action movies now, again, they're like world domination, like some mysterious mm-hmm. ruler and mm-hmm. villain somewhere in a lair is <laughs> wanting to dominate the entire world through some, usually some like, science gone wrong ai gone wrong thing right like and so we end up not really meeting that villain character till like the last 30 minutes of the movie and we fight basically like the small bosses along the way Mm -hmm. to get to the big boss so you kind of don't really even know who your foe is and we as we're i guess with the protagonist discovering who that is and it's so big and the stakes are so high because like earth is going to get zapped by some satellite in space right like it's so large and cat and mouse is just really fun I mean, we saw that with the terminator too which we reviewed recently as well but these small scope stories ironically work really really well if they're done well um but our tendency now the trend is Let's make this world domination and the earth is going to get destroyed and all of humanity is going to be wiped out because stakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that weird thing where <laughs> when a number gets too big, like it loses all meaning. <laughs> like 300. It's way too big of a number. What is 300? We don't know. But so it's, it's almost like when you go too macro, 
this the scale becomes Ill- irrelevant and then you have no stakes but it's yep. in this case it's 30 people at a christmas party in this building and that's it yep. like the stakes are clear they're concrete they're tangible we understand what is going to happen if john mcclain doesn't succeed whereas yep. world domination obviously we would like the world to continue to work but uh it's a little too big sometimes and mm-hmm. if it's not grounded in something tangible then it loses all meaning yep yep that's so true and we also have time to like find Hans compelling as Mm -hmm. well and like kind of in your case like root for him too you know like there's there's charisma because there's time that we have with him whereas some of these big bad villains of the action movies of today Unless they're played by Maz Mikkelsen, who is, like, deliciously great at playing bad villains and immediate immediate charisma oozing from the screen. It's hard for us to, like, empathize and get on board with what their story is and why they're here. And it's usually something because they've been snuffed in their childhood and whatnot, right? Like, in this case, the man, Hans just wants some money. And he's going to pull off a really well-designed heist. And you kind of can see that um, he's incredibly sharp and wise in the way that he's planned that out as well and and that we can also wrap our head around get on board with and see now this this like battle play out between these two very smart men and we love it we eat it up yeah and i i love that (laughs) neither of them are caricatures you know like yeah it would have been really easy to make Hans into this like <laughs> evil villain and it just becomes comical. Same thing, like John McClane could have been this like ridiculous action hero and that would have also been to this movie's detriment. But both of these guys are, they seem like real people and, and they seem very grounded and uh, it's it's just a blast to watch them kind of go at each other because they aren't too over the top yeah very true and i mean alan rickman does an incredible job of of like towing that line because he's got some scenes i mean his whole crew is like they're they're extra in a lot of ways but it's the right amount you know they haven't teetered into like ridiculousness where you kind of can't take them seriously enough um, it's the right amount of hair flowing, blonde, icy blonde hair flowing in the breeze as they're like whipping around their giant guns. It's it's the right amount of there's flair. There's there's clearly like a zeitgeist that they've like bought into together and they're bonded by, but it's not too much. It's hard to do. Like, Alan mm-hmm. Rickman's character easily could have been kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, somehow he is he still so good. Yeah. Oh, Alan Rickman was just such a great actor. I Yep. Oh, what a gem. I'm so glad that he did Die Hard. Yes, he nails it. Yeah. His voice Perfect. speaking into the that that like um walkie-talkie just oh, chills. He's barking out orders, chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just like, "Alan Rickman, please keep talking. Like just keep doing your thing. You're doing great, buddy." Yeah, I'm like, if I'm one of your minions, like, I too will listen to whatever you say. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one of the things that I really, I think we talked about some of the technical aspect of this movie, the cinematography, things like that. But I, I also found the editing really compelling in this movie. Um, this movie's so good at doing what film does well, which is juxtaposing a couple of shots together, leaving a lot out, and trusting that like we as the viewers can fill in the gaps. And this movie does this so many different times. Um, the one that really stood out to me, I was like, this is the perfect example of like what film does well, is there's a shot of the exit sign, which we know is from the point of view of John. There's a shot of his bare feet. There's a shot of the floor of glass. And then immediate next scene after is like his feet, his him dragging himself with his bloody feet. And I feel like we didn't need to see anything in between those two, you know? Like we got it. Four shots, highly efficient. And we, we know exactly what happened. It actually, it, it rewards and creates that excitement of like, oh my gosh, he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to run across this like sea of broken glass. And we don't actually ever see him do it either. And so the efficiency that this movie has in creating excitement, but not necessarily having to show us the entire thing, I thought was so good. So, so good. And it was like, so exciting to see every time that the film employed a moment like that of like a series of shots together, a lot missing in between and we can fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that bloody feet moment is still so effective because you get to see him dealing with the after effects of it and pulling that glass shard out of his foot is so cringy. Like, Oh my gosh, it's hard to watch, but that's, that's all that you needed to know. You didn't need to watch him walk through all of that glass, but instead mm-hmm. you just need to know where he is now <laughs> and mm-hmm. having to deal with his bloodied foot. I thought that that was just so smart. I, I also think there are moments when you see him doing something, especially in the beginning, and you see his uh, wife beater changing colors throughout. Yes. And it's like, oh, he's been through some stuff while we were checking in on the hostages or whatever. And so I just, uh-huh. I loved that that in the beginning is almost this marker of all of the horrible things he's been through is his shirt is just getting dirtier and dirtier. <laughs> yes. By the end, when he's hanging off the side of this building, I was like, this oh man gosh. should have been dead like hours yes. ago. Like yes. how, how? He has cheated death, truly. So good. Yeah, amazing. And I I love that he didn't seek this out. I I had forgotten that part of it. I I had remembered Mm. him being more of like an action hero. Um, But he is very reluctant. And for a good chunk in the beginning, he is not trying to fight this battle himself. He is like, oh my gosh, how do I get outside help? How do I get the cops here? How do I get somebody to help solve this problem? Because I am not the solution. And then eventually he's like, ah, crap, I have to be the solution. And then he does his whole thing. But I I loved that, that that sense of self-awareness and maybe even a little bit of humility that we don't always get to see in these action movies. It was Mm. just, it was lovely. Mm, that's so good that's so good the reluctant hero that is highly competent we love that's one of the things that in the scene with um harry ellis when he's trying to negotiate terribly with hans 
um, I was like, John and Alice are really foils for each other. They're the, the type of the protagonist that we often will see in American movies, right? John is the highly competent, but also can be pompous and has got like a flair and got a mouth on him, right? But we, we love him because he's so good at what he does. Ellis is pompous, but incredibly incompetent, and he's played to be a fool. And they are truly foils of each other. He's the warped version of the things that we love about John. John, though he has that confidence and that flair, he also can deliver. And I think immediately we're just like on board. And we kind of love that, that like, you know, they, they have a whole bit about this in the movie around like the, the cowboy uh, character who's like confident, independent, goes in his own um, and, and, and pompous in his, in his own way. We we love that. We eat that up as Americans. We like we're like serve it on a silver platter for us. If you look at like our big action heroes, they often have a lot of those same traits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I I just I loved that in this one, he has all of those, but he's not. He doesn't go in guns blazing. He he takes his time mm-hmm. and eventually gets there. But like you said, it's the reluctant hero and. I don't know. To me, those movies are so fun because there's uh, like he seems more grounded and more human that if he had been like super duper cop, I can Let's solve go. this problem. Then it's like, OK, well, now you're a superhero and that's not as fun as mm-hmm. the regular Joe in a terrible situation having to figure his way out. And that this maybe does something that um, is the antithesis to your pet peeve, which is our hero gets hurt wow Mm -hmm. amazing yeah (laughs) like let's celebrate that like your point around him pull having to pull the shards of glass out of his feet like he visibly is is hurt and and also you see throughout the movie like he is progressively getting just tired and Mm -hmm. and bloodied and has to find new guns has to refill his guns like something that we celebrated so much in john wick even though john wick has like layers of plot armor yes. but he has to refill his gun you know like that that moment of pause that makes you vulnerable because your enemy's shooting at you um we see that they have to the logistics of actual fighting versus just like an infinite amount of uh bullets coming out of your magical gun uh it's a little less compelling um so i think that was also really good we're genuinely concerned like will he make it out alive obviously yes but struggling along the way too mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's those moments when he's when he's hurt that it's like oh my gosh he's he's a real person he can be hurt you know he's not a superhero this is great it just it raises the stakes for everything yeah yeah so good so good um other things that we wanted to mention with this movie one thing that i really appreciated upon this watch is like this is such a macho movie and yet John isn't this like super macho guy like the whole character journey that John goes on is coming to respect his wife and her career and so I just (laughs) I love that this is he's this macho dude who's like shooting up bad guys and blowing up a building but his takeaway is I was a jerk and I need to apologize to my wife because I didn't respect her in her career. And I was like, 
This is amazing. Yes. This is a great moral. This is a great takeaway for this character. I loved seeing his character growth. Mm. Yeah. It even does the emotional gut punch to one, two at the end there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it really is the thing that frames this movie. That's why he's here to begin with, you know, is his desire to reconcile. And he has to go through hell to get to the point of reconciliation, but he eventually does get there. Yeah. That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does get there. Good job, buddy. You exploded a building. You took out a bunch of terrorists and you learned how to apologize. That's, and, that's a good day. And we end on this like warm, fuzzy. This is why it's a Christmas movie. This warm, mm-hmm. fuzzy shot yes. of them in, the, in Argyle's cab together. Let it snow is crooning <laughs> over the speakers. Mm-hmm. Ar- Argyle says, if this is your idea of Christmas, gotta be there for New Year's. Like it's got the jolly old Christmas spirit in there. Very good. I think that's what's so amazing to me about this movie is that there's so much Christmas in it. It's not (laughs) just that this is happening at a Christmas Eve work party, but it's it's truly there's so much Christmas cheer and the Christmas spirit just woven all throughout, especially at the beginning and the end. And what an audacious choice for an action movie. Yeah, this is really about family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Spending time with the people who are most important to you. And John's just yeah. trying to do that. Yeah. And sometimes it can feel like going through battle to get to that point <laughs> where you're ready to reconcile. But it is worth it in the end, is the message of this movie. You might have to fight Amazing. some German extremists mm-hmm. to get to your family reconciliation, yeah. but it is worth it in time for Christmas. Absolutely. That is beautiful. <laughs> that's a great great christmas moral mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so good <laughs> just the thing you need on christmas night christmas eve night go into bed with images of like tony's hair flopping through the breeze as he like comes for you on the roof a mm-hmm. lovely little image yeah absolutely that <laughs> that will make for a great christmas honestly all is like calm if- all is bright <laughs> i mean all is calm now you won't yes. be able to go to work on monday so that's also pretty cool so get an extended christmas break yeah yeah i love it i mean in it tangentially related but slightly along the same vein as i think it was just heartwarming to see how much warmth there is between like all of the characters in this movie like even even between the policemen and the 911 services and the FBI like there there clearly is like obviously like hierarchical like political dynamics and whatnot but there's there isn't that like cynicism that I think we often see in movies now there's like a um, good-naturedness about it all that I found I didn't remember and I found kind of surprising and this is like such a, you know, late 80s movie in that way. But um, the trust, for example, that Powell immediately has John and even when um, Powell is kind of like not acknowledged in uh, him advocating for what's actually happening, there's like a – there isn't this like deep set corruption and cynicism that I think we often see portrayed in movies about like – 
people in positions of power and our law enforcement, like there's a, there's a, um, a goodness in all of the characters, even the ones that are kind of assholes that I thought was so distinctive and different from the movies that we get today. But it was just nice to dwell on that for a hot second. Um, I mean, the reality of it is in, in our world today, it's like maybe it's very different. And I think the movies that we watch today tend to be a little bit more cynical, but there was, there was like just a, a good naturedness that I found surprising and oddly heartwarming in this movie that we don't see often now. Well, and I also appreciated that, that Al was so competent and he's the like low man on the totem pole and everybody yeah. above him is significantly less competent than he is. And they are misreading the situation that Al is like, hey, I can clearly see what's going on, but you're not listening to me. And I was like, that is such, I don't know, that just resonates if you've ever worked in like a hierarchical structure and your boss is like semi-competent or incompetent and then their boss is even more incompetent and you're just like, oh my gosh, I see the solutions. I know what we need to do. I am reading this correctly. Why won't you listen to me? And so it was just this like empathy for Al of like, oh yeah, I feel like we've all been there before where you're like, okay, I know what needs to be done, but you're not listening to me. So I'm just going to let it happen. And I'm just going to sit here and be right. And I was like, you go, Al. He's a real one. There's a specific scene where um, Hans and Kuro are shooting at the lights and Al obviously understands that like two steps ahead of the rest of the crew and he's like the rest of the the rest of the group's like what are they doing why are they shooting at us they're they're missing and Al's like they're shooting at the lights and about like two seconds later it Mm -hmm. dawns on them (laughs) and I think one of his superiors are like they're going after the lights and it's like yes he just he just said that about 30 seconds earlier but you just weren't listening and how many times does that happen in meetings in corporate Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so Al is also a hero who saves yeah. Christmas against incompetent higher ups. Yes. Way to go, Al. Way to save. And he gets Christmas. his little redemptive moment. Yeah. His confidence is restored on his instincts. Amazing. It is oh. a Christmas miracle. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Uh, <laughs> anything else that we wanted to mention? Um, okay, a couple <clears throat> of little things. Okay, I'm ready. Um, in in the meeting with Ellis when he's trying to like negotiate or whatever, uh, one of the Germans hands him a can of Coca Cola, and. Yeah. The like camera kind of lingers on it, and I was like, "Why, why is that?" And it's probably because he asked them for some coke, and they brought him a soda instead of drugs. And I just thought that that was really funny to include that in there. <laughs> I didn't even notice that just that little bit. I remember seeing the coke like looking very, very bubbly, very juicy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't put that together because he, yeah, because yeah, again, set a payoff. He was doing coke yeah. earlier. At the- opening sequence yeah I thought that that was just so funny I was like okay it's good product placement yes but also it works for the character brilliant yeah and and some winking humor with the audience too yes so good um and then 
I spotted a pinky ring in this movie. <gasps> on Hans? No. Surprisingly, no. On Tony? No. On Ellis? No. On Takagi? No. On John? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, none of his crew member? None of Hans's minions? Mm-mm. None of the nope. None of the Oompa Loompas. Not that I saw, but I also wasn't paying super a lot of attention to the Oompa Loompas, so I might. I was distracted one. by their hair, to be honest. There's a lot of hair. It's so majestic. It's like if I'm lot. gonna be a villain coming in with a with a big heist, like I too want my hair flowing in the breeze as I like storm through this building that I'm gonna, you know, take over. Honestly, it might Very be important. a good tactic. Because they can remember, they would be so distracted by your flowing locks that they forget to look at your face. So, like, there would be no eyewitnesses who could nab mm. you because they'd be so amazed by the hair. Yes, so good, so good. It's a it's a shiny thing for them to get distracted yes. by. Yeah, yeah, this is good. I mean, Brilliant. human beings are the, we're all the same. We're distracted by shiny things. <laughs> it's use your human good. nature against you. You yes. too want these flowing golden locks. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so who has the pinky ring? Dwayne T. Robinson. Who the, the whole heck is that? The incompetent cop. So Al's direct, uh, like, superior. Okay. This is a very good data point. Right? I was yeah. impressed. And it fits character, too. evil. Yeah. Same category in our pinky ring theory. Yes. Because they all just suck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. He was a jerk, too. So I was like, this fits that you would be a pinky ring wearer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. I love it. I love it. Any other things in your basket of, of fun things? Okay. I do have a question. At the end of the movie, they're, they've all made it out of the building. It's great. Let It Snow is playing. Fantastic. Heartwarming. There's a bunch of white and green pieces of paper floating around the air. There's so much paper. And I could not understand why it was raining. White and green paper. Some of them had hole punches in it. Some of them not. And they were all blank. And I did not understand what in the world was going on. It's like the end of the concert where, like, they, they blow the confetti cannons. Yes. And it, we're all just like, whoa, festo. Yeah. Yeah. But in this case, it's just sheets of printer paper. Printer paper, yes. I think because the, they've, you know, blown up an entire floor and the windows are open and the wind, I don't mm. know, circulation is just making sure this is, like, truly, like, the cherry on top for this Christmas movie. Like, we can't make yes. it snow, mm-hmm. but we can make it rain. Make, we can make it snow paper because okay. it's corporate America. Yes. Okay. That was that was what I was wondering. If they were trying to make a snowing in Los Angeles, this is magical situation. <laughs> and in an office, you would have a lot of printer paper. Uh, but it was, it was a lot and I was very distracted. <laughs> it was a lot. Well, there's this, there's this shot of John hanging out of the building. Mm-hmm. And the papers are flying around. Yes. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, that does make it look a lot more epic, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, ooh, 
The paper will gently fall to the ground, but this guy, if he falls, he's not going to. Like, it just makes it look so dramatic. <laughs> so then they reframed it to be a magical little ah, moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, we go from tension to magic. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Wow. More Christmas miracles. There are so many. Uh, yeah, the Let It Snow soundtrack at the end is actually like prophetic. It's like we will let it snow in any mm. way that we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're going to let it snow paper. Yes. <laughs> yeah, at first what I thought it was going to be was all of the bearer bonds that somehow – I don't know, but that doesn't make sense because they were because I saw white and green and I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to like do bearer bonds. But then you actually look at the pieces of paper and they're blank. (laughs) Well, that's not that's not that. So, okay, Uh, a Christmas miracle of fake snow. Mm -hmm. That is that is the conclusion. It would be neat if it was if it was raining bearer bonds, though. I thought so. That would be a nice, like, because there's a little bit of, like, anti-capitalist stuff going on here, too. Like, especially that very, very end moment when uh, Holly, as soon as the watch is off of her wrist, the symbol of capitalism, then Hans (laughs) falls to the ground and she is safe. Like, so I really expected that the bearer bonds would be dispersed throughout the crowd. Yeah. Uh, like F it yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah real like especially because that watch is the one that she 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 earned because of mm-hmm. her big promo yeah yeah it's poetic but that's all right we got a little anti-capitalism not as far as we could have gone but that's that's okay I mean that's one of our primary benefits of working in an office is the free printing let's be real that's true because it's who... one of the things that they offer like I know they're paying us like a living wage too which is really good but also like the free printing mm-hmm. yeah wow. who who has a home printer anymore not i yeah you have to go into the office if you need to print anything so yeah, like shipping labels for your returns yeah it's yeah. hard stuff where are you gonna go i'm not paying like i remember printing at ups once and it was like 40 cents and i was like this is 40 cents too expensive oh no <laughs> In principle, like I am returning this item, but I'm now paying money to print a piece of paper so I can just mm. even – it's mm-hmm. – yeah. like I reject this. Okay, so it's it's a – Company benefits. Yeah. This is Brand showing you, even though Christmas work parties may invite you into a dangerous situation, you should come back to work because look at all of this printer paper we have available. Yes. It really is an ad from – Yes. The, the the company itself, like don't don't forget to come back in the new year, okay? <laughs> I know you're really well rested. You don't want to. We've got the January scaries, but like come back, okay? Don't We've got forget, all the paper for you. <laughs> don't forget to come back to the place where you were severely traumatized because you had a sketchy amount of bearer bonds in a hidden secret safe. Yeah, and you were kidnapped by terrorists. But come back to work. Come, come back. back. <laughs> Oh, so good. Yeah. And there's a lot of carpet replacement they're going to need to do. I a mean, blood stain. Mm. you have to replace the whole building at this yes. point. Like, honestly. It's probably They're, not structurally sound. They, like, blew up no. several floors. Yeah. Entire floors. Yeah. You just got to demo the whole thing. 
and just try again. Maybe this time, invest in some better security and don't have 600,000 or million or however much it was of bearer bonds in your safe. Like, let's let's do a little better next time. Yes. <laughs> well, there was a point where John blows up, I think, like this one of the lower floors, like the second or the third floor, um, to try and stop, I think, the FBI coming in or something like that. And I remember thinking, like, this is a very structurally sound building because I thought this would be like Jenga. Like if you blow up the, the entire second floor of a building, wouldn't the whole thing just come crashing down? But no, this building is mm-hmm. well structured. Yeah. So good job, Nakatomi. At, at least there's that. They know how to build a building. How to build a building. They don't know yes. how to do some other things that are important yes. to keep the building safe, but – they know how to build a building. Structurally sound. Yeah. Architectural wow. genius. Yeah. Gotta respect it. <laughs> okay. Any other last thoughts before we wrap up? Hit them um, all. I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, I, I think we got it. Good. I love it. I love it. Well, this was this was our review and discussion of Die Hard and our celebration for our 300th episode milestone. Insert air horns again here. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us for celebrating with us and just for being along the journey all these weeks and years with us together. We really appreciate you and we hope that you are continuing to be on this journey with us as we adventure into the future. Uh, Our name, Movies and Us, sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we connect with each other and the world around us. This this podcast truly is about all of us and our shared stories, as we talked about at the beginning of this episode. So everyone is welcome here, and we're so glad you spent time with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a rating and review, letting us know your thoughts about die hard is it a christmas movie is it not what's your vote let us know you can connect with us on instagram and twitter at movies and us pod or you can email us at movies and us pod at gmail.com we will be back next week on to our 301 first episode with a good one we're going to be reviewing salt burn by emerald Fennell. we hope you've had an amazing week and we'll see you next week <laughs>